You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with two special guests. Uh, the best way I can describe what they do is yum, because <laughs> it is delicious. And when I mean delicious, we're talking about Amelie's. And we are so excited to uh, hear from Joanna Long and Mary Jane Wilson. Now, there are a few places in Charlotte um, that will get that response every single time. And Amelie's is one of them. Uh, we've had a lot of great restaurants on here. But Amelie's is a, is a French bakery with so much more. The treats, the ambience, the, the all or open all night availability, which sounds crazy. Um, but also something that has exploded in growth in the last 15 years. And it's an example of building a brand that started around pastries. And it's something that we're really excited to, to, uh, to learn about. But there's some big things happening and some changes are coming to this brand. Uh, and so the brand expanded to five uh, other popular locations, uh, including Uptown, Park Road Shopping Center, and I believe the much beloved location near Noda uh, is going to move. So yes, we're going to yeah. hear a little bit more about that. But uh, Joanna and uh, Mary Jane join us today on the Brand Builders Podcast to share the secrets of building a successful brand uh, and how they are keeping the momentum going while growing and changing not only locations, but bringing in new treats and new ideas. And so we're so excited to hear from a brand that's been here for a while, but is always bringing new ideas to the table. So thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Mary Jane Wilson. And welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Great introduction as always. Thank um, you. Yeah, so curious. You guys are much more than pastries. And I'd love to know more about how you developed your signature look, your feel, and your brand over the last 11 years. Um, I've been with Amelie's for eight years. I just celebrated eight years the week of Thanksgiving. Oh, congratulations. A really fun time to start the week of Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it's not busy at all. No, the day I started, we actually, the, the chef that had been there before uh, had been there, gone for two days. So I came in that morning and they were like, we don't have any sugar. What Whoa. do we do? So uh, that was a good start. Um, but we have, you know, grown a lot, expanded a lot, uh, evolved a lot. But I think we've sort of tried to achieve the consistency and the experience. Um, but the ambiance comes from Brenda, who's one of the owners, and she creates the chandeliers. She gets stuff from Habitat for Humanity Restore and just completely um, redoes it in her own style. Um, that's been a challenge, though, as we've opened multiple Finding. locations of like creating that same experience and keeping each one unique because every single thing in every bakery is handmade from the pastries to the decor. Very cool. Let's talk about the decor. So I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast have been to Anomalies. If you haven't, then shame on you. Um, or you just moved here to Charlotte, go check it out, you know. But let's talk a little bit about the interiors. They're so iconic. Um, how did you come up with that idea? Is that something that's continued to grow over the last 15 years? And give us kind of the, the rundown of not only starting it, but like how did you come up with the idea to decorate it the way that you did? I think um, Brenda was inspired by a painting. And uh, and that's how she came up with the colors and the feel and just the the idea that it's welcoming and eclectic. And she's really into reusing different items. So that's why over 70 percent of our decor and furnishing comes from places like Habitat for Humanity, thrift stores, uh, estate sales, that that sort of thing. So 
not only is it eclectic and inviting, but it's it's just welcoming. People feel comfortable there. They, they feel like they can have a conversation. There's intimate spaces. There's things that you don't expect. So you look up, down, left, right. You're going to see something that you didn't see the time before. You, you And she does a good job of bringing in um, colors and um, making things uh, that you wouldn't expect. So we have an Etch-A-Sketch up in one of our bakeries at Park Road, and there's a little scene that's drawn on it that's, uh, but you wouldn't expect an Etch-A-Sketch in a French-inspired bakery. No. No. And then if you look up our chandeliers, they're, like Mary Jane said, they're all handmade. We have one that has its uh, musical instruments. There's an accordion in it. There is a French horn. There are, it's a, a, there's a cello. There's a violin. There's trumpets. And I think there's over 30 instruments in this chandelier piece. It's one of a kind. And even when I was writing a blog about it, I, I couldn't find anything else, anything close to what that is. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it's five feet wide, and it is incredible. Um if you are on Instagram, which you, you probably are, you need to go follow them. They have 34,000 followers and you don't just get that by just not doing the right thing and doing making delicious food. So um, it, it's just incredible kind of the vibe that you guys have created. And tell me a little bit more about like with 15 years, you guys have had to kind of grow with the city. What have you seen from a changing standpoint from going from one location now and into more and then you're switching it up and you're going to new places, I guess. Are you just growing with the city and how do you adapt to that so quickly? Um, I mean, we, you know, when I started at Amelie's, they had been open for three years. Um, I worked there for, I guess, a, almost two years before we opened the next location, which was in Rock Hill. So we kind of started outside of Charlotte with the growth and then came back. And then we opened Carmel Commons and Uptown within a year of each other. That was a tough year. Um, I also had my daughter that year, so it was a lot. <laughs> but I mean, I think we did a, a good job of like being in different areas of Charlotte. So we we were not all in one place. And even though Uptown and Node are within a couple miles of each other, it still feels like you're in, you know, in a very different place. And each one does have sort of a unique feel to it that you know you're at Amelie's and it feels like Amelie's, but each one has its unique thing based on the the area that it's in. It represents the community, the neighborhood. Yeah. As Brenda talks about, she amelizes the decor <laughs> and the furnishings. And I think that is as much a part of our brand as our pastries and our savories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the whole experience, I think. So you mentioned finding the decor and all of that is somewhat of a challenge as you grow. Um, tell us a little bit about that growth and, and how some of the challenges in and out of that, because... As you mentioned, Uptown is only a few miles away from Noda, but those are two very different markets. And we're a city that has different pockets of different personalities and all of that at this point, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But how do you know your concept's going to work in another environment? Yeah, well, and that was a challenge. When we opened, I think Carmel Commons was probably the first one that was super challenging because it was a little more, um, you know, it was in a shopping center. It was a little smaller. Um, and it didn't have like the, you know, Rock Hill, our walk-in coolers in the old bank vault. So like that already had That's a cool. cool vibe to it because of the the history of the building and where we are. But Carmel Commons, I think was the biggest challenge. And we did get some criticism that it was like going corporate or, you know, it looked, it was just a box. And so we, we were really trying to be creative in having that feel, you know, having the same experience and, you know, there's not another Noda. No. And there will never be another, you know, the exact same thing. 
So that is the challenge of creating the same experience and sort of uh, celebrating the individual part of each one. Um, but but we, we worked a lot to try to create, you know, in one little box square, how do we make it cool? How do we make it unique? And how do we set it apart from the other ones? Do your menus sort of stay the same throughout the different stores? Or Yes, that was also a challenge yeah. <laughs> for me, especially because as a chef, I'm like, ooh, I can get peaches today and make this thing. Now we have to schedule things much in advance. Joanna's mm -hmm. been a huge help with that and just like organizing, planning way ahead, you know, working the recipes out multiple times before they're then sent to each bakery because you can make one recipe and send it to six different people and get six very different things <laughs> if you don't do it carefully. So consistency has been a, ma a big challenge um, food-wise as well just because of the everything is made from scratch. So that that element, we worked really hard to try to improve consistency so that if you go to Carmel Commons, your brownie is going to be the same as if you go to Rock Hill. Um, so I think we've come a long way on that. I think we always have an opportunity to be better at that. But that, you know, that is very, very hard to make the same thing from scratch in different places. How do you not just eat all the food? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do oh, I was going to say the, the best. How do you food? stay looking as good as you look? Exercise. Lots of steps, lots of walking. So I was going to say or add that one of the wonderful things about Amelie's is that there's this culture of sharing and learning from everything that we do. So when we're working on new recipes, Mary Jane and her team, there is opportunities to taste, to share, to refine, to give feedback. And I think that's really important that Mary Jane is so open to that feedback and also using the talent that she has on her team to grow the brand and to think outside of what we have traditionally done to add different menu items, to add different flavors that are still French inspired and part of who we are um, because we want to we don't want to be stagnant. We want to continue to evolve. And I, I think that's really important for us as we grow is the seasonal menu as like it's a big pain in the ass. It takes a lot of work, a lot of coordination, um, but it keeps our staff engaged. It keeps our customers engaged. And like, you know, it's almost like a pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. We're like, ooh, what are they going to put out this season? And knowing some of the like favorites that are coming back. Um, and we have an amazing team of young chefs. And so it's very inspiring to work with them and get their ideas and allow them to have input creatively in the menu development. Um, so it, yeah, that's, it's, I think that's one of the most inspiring and fun parts of working anomalies is like that constant evolution of like, we, we can do whatever we want as long as we can execute it. You know, we have pretty open creative realm. And you mentioned culture, uh, and I, I want to go through this because I think you guys on your website, you have your art, you know, your core values. And we talk with a lot of different restaurants and a lot of organizations that have multiple different uh, establishments or brick and mortars. It's very difficult to keep the culture the same. Um, but your core values are so unique. And I think they're things that other business centers and, and people should definitely listen to. So these are them. We are genuine. We celebrate diversity. We celebrate food and drink. We value personal growth. We are mindful of our impact to others. We honor the dignity of everyone. Our job is our passion and the goal is for our guest. And what you mean by that is we want to create a lifetime relationship with our guest from your daily visits to the place that you choose to celebrate with the people you love. I think all of those encompass exactly why your organization is successful, exactly why you guys have celebrated 15 years. But what do those core values mean to you two? 
I think they define who we are as an organization, but I think they're based on how we want to treat the people that are a part of us and the people that are kind enough and love us enough to keep coming back. It's all about respect and being good citizens and giving back to our community. And that's what is important to us as an organization. Yeah, I mean, I think that, and, you know, all of those things, we actually created those, like, years into it, which is interesting because we recognize, like, what what are we doing? What do we care about? Aside of the pastries and the things which are a part of it, it is, like, much bigger than that. And I think people working with us feel good about knowing like we're still a young brand, there's still opportunity to grow, and we have some strength and stability because of the multiple locations. But I mean, I think all of those things, they really do define who we are. And I think that we take a lot of pride in that. And and execution is a challenge. Like the, it is not an easy business to run. It is not a normal restaurant. It is not, not a normal bakery, especially 24 hours. So finding people that stand behind those has been a big challenge. But the people that have just like, we have some of the most loyal employees that would do anything for Amelie's and do, you know, they work very, 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 very hard to to put all the things out in the cases and to make sure that everything is as it should be. Um, and it's all because I think they believe in those things. So it's easy to, to believe, I don't want to say it's easy. I, I think it, for a successful business, you need your employees to believe, right? But another aspect of that is you need someone to be able to market that brand, right? To be able to push how not only I don't want to say how great we are, but, you know, uh, if you work for an organization that you believe in, it's easy for you to sell it. Right. But now we need to be able to market that to people that might not have the exposure of that brand or even know what Amelie's is. I mean, we have people moving here a, a, a huge number every single day. I mean, that's a new opportunity for you guys. So, Joanna, my question to you is what is kind of the marketing strategy around, you know, Amelie's, but how do you go to market and how do you try to attract new people? I mean, you built 34,000 followers on Instagram and I promise you, there's a lot of long, young people that are listening to this that are like, damn, 34,000 followers. Like that's impressive. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, first of all, I am new to Amelie's. I've been a part of the team um, almost the entire year for 2019. So there have been some incredible people that have been behind building that brand before I even um, had the opportunity to be a part of it. So kudos to all of those people, Mary Jane, Brenda, Moore, Sarah. I, I mean, there's so many people that I can't even name and I'm not trying to leave anybody out, but they have done some of that hard work. And what I'm hoping to do is to continue that, to continue to put some processes in place that we're able to think forward and plan out. Now, I certainly want to capture opportunities that happen and fall into our lap. But I think one of the things that I can bring to the table is the the strategy and looking at what we're doing well and looking at what we can do better. To Mary Jane's point, there's always opportunity to learn and to take our ability to be incredibly creative and turn that to into an asset and learn from everything that we've done. So knowing that word of mouth marketing is really big for us. If someone has a good experience, that we need to capitalize that. We need to share user-generated content and respond and engage with the people that love us and even the people that have a less than pleasant experience. And there's things happen every day. And it doesn't mean it was intentional and it doesn't mean that's typical of any business. But how we recover and how we respond to that is incredibly important, um, especially in the restaurant industry and in, in customer service as well. 
So I think making sure we're intentional about the way that we're treating those that have not had the best experience or it wasn't up to their expectations and hoping that they'll give us another chance to make good on what they had anticipated receiving. So I think those are some specific things. And then looking at what, who we are and the stories, there's so many amazing stories. Anytime you sit down with any of our team, there's something you're going to learn, something you didn't realize that just kind of captures who we are as a brand and as an organization and being able to tell those stories not only through a blog or a conversation, but also through visuals. So working closely with our photographer and in helping, you know, direct what we want to capture and relaying that and trans translating that to our customers and our potential customers. And we've struggled with that a little bit, I think, because like if you look at our just the photos, it's very professional and like these beautiful pastries that are so you know, technically challenging and they like kind of look perfect. But if you look on the back end, like we do not take ourselves seriously. You know, it is a fun environment. And so like, I think that we kind of struggle with that of like how to be genuine and who we are and not, and be approachable and not come off as pretentious. And like any, you know, some things are in French, but it's okay if you don't know how to say it, you know, like that, <laughs> those are things that have been challenging for us that we have right. you know talked about a lot about, how to like keep the French vibe and be like comfortable and approachable for people because chicken salad and brownies are not French, but macaroons are. So like with the food side, that's fun to like, you sort of have this umbrella of French, but like we made a carrot cake macaroon and you know, like there's a lot of sort of American, even Southern things yeah, that you can incorporate. In yeah. I see that. Do you say pecan or pecan? I say pecan. Pecan pie, it looks like, or maybe it's, it's a tart, not. but it's, oh my but God. essentially it's delicious. Yeah. You posted on the blog. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, yeah, wow. Yeah, I got, I'm starving. So we we work with a lot of different clients in a lot of different industries, and one of the things that that we have to focus on is not every person that walks in our door is going to like everything, right? And so we have to create a custom experience for each person, and there might be one item or a product or a solution that we provide that is a great fit for an organization, but it won't be a great fit for someone else. When we talk about food. Same thing, right? I guess my question is, do you run into issues where you find something you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the best food I've ever made. But then you're like, but are people going to like it? Because maybe I like it because I have this like ingredient. So like, how do you, All how do time. you decide what, what makes it to the final sale? And, and how hard is that? Because I, I'll be honest, I'm going to tell you this quick story. So I told Scott two years ago, we had this drone. And we could logo the drone. And I'm like, I'm going to sell the hell out of this drone. This is the coolest drone ever. I sold no damn drones. <laughs> so all you people out there that I talked to you about a drone and you didn't buy, you made me look bad, all right? <laughs> but a prime example where I thought a product would be great, but it never really fit what our clients needed and what they were looking for at that specific time. So I would love to see from, from kind of start to finish how you decide what actually makes it to the finish line. Yeah. Um, well, we typically start with like brainstorming of what is available seasonally and trying to sort of capitalize on those things each season. And then North Carolina has access to like amazing food and produce. So we start with that of like kind of what fits the season. Um, and then Maura, who's the beverage director, we sit down and usually with Jolene, who works with me on menu development and kind of just start brainstorming, try to be cohesive with our flavors, with the drinks and the savory and the sweet just for like an ordering food cost standpoint that's important um but i mean we we have definitely done things where we're like hell yeah this is like the best thing they've ever had and they're like 
It didn't sell. Nope. <laughs> Do you guys have people that taste test? Because me and Scott would love to be a part we of that. We could definitely invite you. <laughs> we have done that. We have done. Uh... We actually talked about it yesterday yeah, because yeah. we're going to be trying some new things out in the beginning of the year. And we thought we really, you know, you don't. You don't necessarily need to do it every time, but it is helpful to get people's perspective that aren't in it day in and day out. And is it sure. just as great as we imagine it mm-hmm. or anticipate it that it will and be? And we did some focus groups. We did the um, macaroon ice cream sandwiches the last two summers. And that was one that we were like, mm, like I've been one, I've been dreaming about this for years. And like, finally we can do it. And like, that did okay. But like, not as much as I expected. Yeah. And I think some of it, you know, is on our end to improve on. Um, but it is interesting to say we tried savory macaroons at one point. Wasabi <laughs> did not work. No, did not work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely things that have not worked. Absolutely. Do you all bake in each location or we do, do you have a? Okay. Yeah, so we have a commissary kitchen in Uptown. So they make like our soups, our salad dressings, our chicken salad, our brownies, our cakes, um, some of the mousses tart fillings. And then uh, we distribute to each bakery every day. And then they do all the finishing building um, that you see in the cases. Okay. So a combination of both. So let's talk about this, uh, this new building. Um, you guys are going to be moving into a new space and would love to know, you know, what we can expect from, I believe this will be the sixth location or we're so closing we're, one and moving to another correct. one. So still yeah. have five. I we suppose. have six. Okay. We have six. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. There's an Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Yeah. What's up, my Atlanta people? <laughs> Check out Amelie's. West Midtown. There we go. <laughs> not not far from Georgia Tech. No. So uh, our NOTA, our flagship bakery, is going to be closing and relocating. We hope that it'll be within days of each other. That is our goal, but certainly things can be out of our control. But our, our goal is that there will be minuscule time between the closing of one and the reopening of the new it's moving less than a mile away, and we're super excited that we're moving into NOTA proper. When Amelie's first opened, and we talk about it being our NOTA location, that is what people consider NOTA. NOTA Brewing is across the street. I mean, and I we realize that we it, are on North Davidson. Davidson. We realize we're in Villa Heights, but at that time, people weren't talking about Villa Heights mm-hmm. and, and having businesses there. So just a little history for everybody who likes to remind us that we are not in NOTA. <laughs> we do know. We do know. We're <laughs> going to NOTA. But we're going yeah. to NOTA. You we're pioneers. Time. Pioneers. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But it will still, I mean, the things that people come to expect, the 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, yes, that is going to happen. We will still have the eclectic and neat and authentic and interesting decor. Brenda is already working on it, has been working on it. I cannot wait to see what she comes up with. There'll be multiple chandeliers hanging from the ceiling, things that you haven't seen before, things that you may have. We always have the pots and pans chandeliers, kind of the green chandelier in all of our bakeries. So that will be there. We'll still have the same team. We're not losing anybody. We're not letting anybody go. Which operationally is very exciting. Yes. (laughs) It's not starting from scratch with a whole new team of people. That you have to train. And the team there like (laughs) really deserves a new space. So like I am super excited for the team to have a new new space and it's that's exciting. We have outgrown that space. I believe it. A long time ago. (laughs) I used to drive from South Park area just just to go there. Yeah. Yeah it really was a a destination. Yes. Absolutely. Which is different than like Uptown where people, it's like you were saying, the market is so different. And that mm-hmm. kind of took us by surprise of like the Fast and Furious lunch rush that it noticed just kind of a constant thing. And people are coming to hang out at Uptown. You better have their food ready or they will leave. Yeah. So that was a, definitely a learning curve for us. Um, 
an interesting change from the Noda to the Uptown. Great. So how many people do uh, or does Amelie's employ? 200, a little over 200. Yeah. Wow. And what is it like? Scott, thank you for not being 24-7. I appreciate that. I feel like um, it's 24-7. Yeah, it does feel like that sometimes. <laughs> but, I mean, what is it like being a part, I mean, of an organization that is open 24-7, 365? I mean, there literally, literally is zero downtime. Yeah. I'm just curious. What's it like? You're it's like a the, lot. You're like the Waffle House of like high end bakery, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah, it's a lot. I mean, and if it's if you've been in there at two o'clock in the morning, I have it's not been there. Insane. It's right. Yeah. It's yeah. I've been in there at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Some people need a bacon egg and cheese croissant <laughs> right. before they go home. <laughs> Sounds real delicious yeah. at two in the morning. I promise you so that. So this is an interesting story. I, I heard this when I first started. So part is not great, but it's when we unfortunately had the riots a couple summers ago. And we had to close the Noda Bakery. Well, it had not been closed in eight, <laughs> ever, as far as yeah, I know, eight-ish years yeah. at that point. Well, no one could find the key to lock the door. I didn't know where the light switches were. We oh, were, really? We, like, oh. zip-tied the door shut because we were like, don't know where the key That's is. That's interesting. Don't know where the light switches are because we've never had to Never do cut it. them off. Yeah. Yeah. So the wow. next day, they got it, we got it re yeah. and, and <laughs> now we have keys, so yeah. no one, you know, it does close. <laughs> there are locks now. We were, like, moving furniture in front of the doors just because, like, 24 365. Yeah. Wow. Do you even, like... You don't even have to lock a door? This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. if you're open. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's wild. Yeah, it really is. It was, uh, and, it, and there's a lot of challenges, but there's a crazy following that want to come and hang out at night. And it's a lot of times busier in the evening, late evening than yes. it is during the day. Okay, it's the holidays. Like, how do you, how do you decide who works on Christmas Day? Thanksgiving Day. Surpri so we pay time and a half okay. for the so holiday. People are like, so I'll some take people, it. yeah, and uh, and and we try to, if if possible, you know. It, seniority kind of has a part to play sure. in it and some people are just willing to do it and want to do it and maybe their family's not here so they're willing to to do it uh thanksgiving and Probably. christmas we try to like provide meals for the people that are working and usually the staff makes uh food for everybody and still yeah. kind of has a little bit of a celebrating vibe um and it's not super busy but it's there's people in there sure yeah we get tired of our families we gotta everybody go get me <laughs> out of here get some coffee and uh, a <laughs> little macaroon do you always have like a chef on staff yes. constantly making yes. you know fresh food oh yeah so there wow. the the sandwich line there's always somebody over there um all of our kitchen managers are pastry chefs um just the technical skills that are required to make a lot of our food like you really have to have that and that's been a challenge of like a lot of pastry uh specific people are not necessarily leaders of large groups um and we have found the unicorns that exist that are those Good so it, it's cool to see that too of like People sort of developing their skills outside of knowing how to make beautiful pastries, but being a great leader to a team of people and making all of them better. That's kind of, we're really in the business of that. Frank says it all the time, but we really are in the people business. Yeah. Almost more than the pastry business, because without the people, you don't have the pastries. Yeah. We um so we had Frank Scabelli on the podcast. We also had one of my good friends, uh, Craig Barber. Uh, who owns Roots Cafe, Frank Scabelli obviously owns multiple different restaurants. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things and the biggest challenges that they ran into is is keeping, I don't want to say chefs, but but keeping, let's just put it that way, keeping chefs. Yeah. Um, and Craig mentioned that, you know, a lot of chefs, even though we have a school right here in, in Charlotte that, that, that pushes out a lot of really good ones, 
they kind of get this vibe that they want to go to Boston. They want to go to New York. They yeah. want to go to Chicago. Or they already know how to run an entire restaurant when right. they're 19. Right. So. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, like, so how do you guys go about not only finding your talent, but keeping it? Obviously, your core values, your culture, that's something that keeps them there. Is that something that you guys run into or have you created kind of the unicorn experience for a chef where they get here and they don't want to leave? I'd like to think that we have. And I mean, a lot of our like middle management has been with, I mean, we have over 50 employees that have been with us for three years or more. Awesome. Um, so Which is a huge. For this industry, yeah. that's that, a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's a lot for sure. <clears throat> um, and I, I think part of it is the growth of the brand. I think part of it is like the evolution of the menu all the time. I think our culture has a lot to do with it where people can genuinely be whoever they are and come to work, do your job. We don't care. Um, so, I mean, and, and we have to work at it. It's, I think getting feedback from the team all the time is important. Being open to ideas all the time is important because if people feel like they're contributing, then I think there's more longevity there than if somebody's like, do this. Oh yeah. You know? oh, yeah. For sure. They have ownership. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and a lot culture of our is team, where your brand is born, right? Yeah. So like it's, it's, it's inward out. Some of our managers, like their biggest opportunity for growth is to like, let the other people do it because they want to do it because they have ownership of it. And I can relate to that. Sure. And have recognized the benefit of like the next generation of people show them how to be that good. And that is like a whole nother level of success of like building another team. So here's a question that I asked both Frank and Craig cooking all day, being a chef. Do you cook at home? Absolutely. I love it. Every That's because it's a passion, right? <laughs> Every, Every single, single day. day. Absolutely. So you literally, you cook 24-7 too. Yes, It's incredible. I do. No, I love it. I love food. I, I mean, it's very different. Um, yeah. But that another thing about Amelie's is like, it's not just sweets. It's not, it's not the same thing every day. And I think there's a huge benefit to that of not doing the same. I mean, we're making shitloads of macaroons yeah. every single day, like thousands. Like Noda will sell like over a thousand, 1500 macaroons on a Friday. Wow. Wow. It's, yeah. It's incredible. It's, that's cra- insane. That's to, crazy. Well, to see the passion and and we we tease this on our social accounts that, you know, there's love in everything we do, but there really, really is. The the people, our chefs, our bakers that are making the food, that are our bar staff that are making sandwiches and salads, like they they really do love what they do. Yeah, John will call me from Parker and be like, dude, my macaroons today were so fucking good. <laughs> 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 like, there really is like a pride and a passion yes. that goes into it where you're like, I did that yeah. and they were awesome. And a competitive spirit, which <laughs> yes, very. not being in the food and beverage industry before, like I wasn't sure how that, because I am a bit of a competitive person. And then coming in to you see, to the right team. <laughs> yes, to see like people, they, they, whatever competition we're doing, whether it's an internal type of staff, like who's going to sell the most of something, or we did a cake decorating uh, competition, oh, a cake throwdown, which was a ton of fun. They were all into it, just cheering each other on. They were but- so competitive, the cake decorating. So we had them decorate a cake and we gave them like a measured amount of buttercream, a timeline, and we, the round two, we did not tell them what it was. And they were all just like super jacked. They had their best people like ready to decorate this cake. And then we're like, you're going to be blindfolded and your partner's going to tell you how to decorate the cake. Oh. They were so pissed. Like, <laughs> like on their face was like, I was ready to like rock this. And one of them, oh Megan's cake looked better than people who can see. Yes. <laughs> it. She's it amazing. an amazing cake decorator. <laughs> She's. Wow. But that was really fun. But we yeah. have a very competitive group of people in a very positive way. Like they're all just like constantly checking in with each other and very supportive. Like mm-hmm. the, the network that we have 
we could not do it without that. You know, somebody calls out, we somebody from another store will come over. If somebody's going out of town or on maternity leave, like everybody comes together to help each other out, and that's huge. Yeah. Do you all have space for events? We do. Yeah. Okay. And, not and in you all cater the as well? We do catering, yes. Yep, a lot. Uptown and Noda are the heaviest. Mm-hmm. Um, Uptown, Noda, Rock Hill, all have event spaces. Will um, the new space the new have one will. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yes. Actually, cool. going back to that, we're going to have a really nice event space. But we're also going to have an outdoor patio that's yeah. enclosed. Oh. That is just going to be a little oasis um, as part of Amelie's. But it'll still have the fun decor and just inviting atmosphere. But something a little different than you've seen anywhere else in Charlotte. Very cool. Charlotte loves a patio. Yep. Oh, we know. You guys got the memo. <laughs> so talking about growth and going into this new uh, location, where do you guys see Amelie's in five to 10 years? Are there going to be multiple locations? You went to Atlanta. Are there other cities on the horizon? And just would love to see kind of what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think there will be. Um, and it will be outside of Charlotte. Probably try to bridge the gap between Atlanta and Charlotte because that's Greenville. been kind of a challenge for us. Greenville <laughs> has been talked about. You could crush um, Charleston we too. Get, yeah, we get a significant amount. Like I get all the secret shopper reports and uh, we have something called ACEs, which is just like customer feedback. But we need one in Raleigh. We need one in Greensboro. We need one in Nashville. We need. We get all the time yes, requests for much, specific locations. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every day on one or multiple social media channels, there is a, we visited from such and such, this would do great in this town <laughs> mm-hmm. area. Lots we, of ambassadors. Have, we yeah. have people awesome. that have picked out locations that are available. A lot of. <laughs> I'm sending you real estate. Hey, <laughs> I got a spot right down the street from my house. I, this not, is where you need anomalies. I'm not joking That's about amazing. that. Like we, you know, people that are in uh, real estate development corporate. Yep. I've got Well, that those. speaks volumes yeah. of your brand and yeah. your culture yeah. and what you all have created. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah, Not you, everyone can say that. Yeah. Probably most can't. <laughs> I mean, you guys have been in Food and Wine, USA Today, our state. You've been in QC Exclusive, Home and Garden, the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Like you guys are in <laughs> worldwide, you know, um, uh, journalism here, and that's incredible. Like I, it's amazing what you guys have been able to do. Well, so. It's cool what we did organically, and I think Joanna has just like a huge amount of value to us as far as like the organizing and the strategic planning, and we grew so fast that it took us a minute to kind of get our feet underneath us. And now we're able to kind of go forward in a more responsible way, I think, in a more planned way, in a more thoughtful way. And I think that really matters and it helps really make everybody's life a lot easier. <laughs> For sure. Well, thank you guys. And in closing, if you're listening, we definitely want you to uh, to like, comment, share this. Uh, go follow them on social media. Honestly, just go to their Instagram and you'll probably be driving over there in 15 minutes. Um, it really is incredible. We're open. And, yeah, and they're, they're always open, which is amazing. Uh, but we're so excited to to follow the journey. Before we close it up, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you uh, if they want to to either schedule an event or catering? Uh, what's the best way to do that? Go to our website www.amaliesfrenchbakery.com, or you can reach out any through any of our social channels, and then I'll put you in touch with the right people. Love it. So awesome. thank you guys so much, Joanna Long and Mary Jane Wilson. You guys have done an amazing job uh, with Amelie's and the whole yes. team. Obviously, the whole team. Yeah, it is about um, the team. Yeah. Amazing food. And I will say they brought us in food. And if this was a video, it's probably right now, already gone. Yeah, our, our team destroyed it. So that looks like me and Scott are going to Omelies to go get our own. Uh, but again, thank you guys so much for joining us on the Brand Builders podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, definitely check out Omelies. And until next time. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you. you. You've been listening to the Brand Builders podcast brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. 
for branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com. <laughs>